Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to More Than Amused podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts hosted by Stani and Sadie. Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the past. Hello, everyone. Welcome to More Than Amuse. I'm Sadie. And I'm Stani. And we get to do a really relevant topic today. It's the (laughs) first Monday of May, which also is the Met Gala. Yeah. Obviously, we are not fashion experts in any way. So rather than releasing this tomorrow and commenting on everyone's looks, which honestly, we won't have very many opinions on other than that looks good or that looks bad. Yeah, I said I will have a very shallow opinion based off of nothing but just my subjective opinions. But I'm still very excited for the pictures Agreed. of the Met Gala. I, I always look forward to it. I always enjoy the photos. I love the fact that it's like the only real like themed big party that you hear about mm-hmm. anymore, you know? Like that's cool that that's still continuing. So we thought it would be fun to kind of dive into like the women behind the Met Gala, the history of the Met Gala, especially because there's so much art involved in this huge fashion event. I'm excited too. I have to say my one, my biggest pet peeve though, when celebrities go to the Met Gala is when I have no idea how they're dressed or how they're like, what they're wearing is on theme. Yeah. That drives me crazy. I think the best I've ever saw them like, do to theme was like the heavenly bodies one. Oh yeah 100%. that one was my favorite one and like camp like yeah there are definitely some they camp did some good camp outfits ones. but i hate when they're not on theme and i'm just like what what are we doing here yeah or it's like really hard to tell what the theme is yes. until they explain it like i think last i guess we'll like kind of go over this but like last year because of covid the met gala got mm-hmm. delayed and so the first time ever they did it in september right I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was like September or something instead of May, which has been like the only time they've ever done that, just so that they could have like a tiny mini Met Gala. And it was like Mm -hmm. the part one of this year's theme too, so they kind of go together. But it was like uh, Americana, right? Alexicana fashion or something like that? Yeah. And it was really hard to tell what some of the things I was like, maybe I just didn't understand the theme, but I was like, oh, I'm kind of disappointed. I think it's cool when it's like there's an obvious theme and everyone is, like you said, on theme. It's like a giant costume party that I would love to be cool enough to attend one day. Agreed. So I have hopes for this year, though. Hopefully. Yeah, me too. They'll be able to, like, you know embrace it a little bit more maybe they have more time i know i mean if you're listening to this after the day it came out then this year's met gala was monday night which this comes out monday Mm -hmm. so it's tonight you can watch it tonight and (laughs) we can discuss probably on our instagram whose looks we like (laughs) yeah we'll put them all up on stories and everything and talk about them but yeah i guess like if you don't know what the met gala is it has like a million different names including the party of the year 
the Oscars of the East Coast, which I think is I really that. funny because the Oscars aren't even that big of a deal anymore, honestly. But no, I don't for a think long so. time they were. So and then an ATM for the Met. <laughs> I love, I mean, accurate, (laughs) which is very true. And also like the first Monday of May, the most exclusive party of the year. Like there's definitely a lot that it's known for. Let me mention the theme of this year. Mm -hmm. So it is in America, an anthology of fashion, but this year's dress code will be Gilded Glamour, which take inspiration from the Gilded Age in New York during the time period between 1870 and 1890. Yeah. So... Apparently, there's like a TV show called The Gilded... Is it called The Gilded Age? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I listened to a podcast that pretty much said like, oh, that's pretty much exactly what it is. But it's like fashion between 1870, 90, the Astors, Vanderbilts, Whitney's, gold, corsets, bustles, big sleeves, white tie, Mm -hmm. excess. But apparently, that's the theme of this year. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm like trying to think of what you could compare it to. But honestly, like... I don't know. Just go look up pictures of The Gilded Age and that'll give you a better idea because it's kind of hard to explain. It's very like 19th century, like money, I guess you yeah. could say. Just like lots of expensive gowns. Thanks. I just Googled it to remind myself. Oh, this mm-hmm. could be so fun. I hope they do it right. I hope they do it cool like this. All right. Well, I guess we'll see if they let us down. I should mention too, the co-chairs this year are Blake Lively, Ryan Reynolds, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and Re- Gina King, which mm-hmm. I feel like is a very random collection of celebrities, but I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it. Let's do but, it. But you know, like some big names we've got going mm-hmm. on there, like Blake Lively and Ryle and Reynolds, like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's been everywhere. So, you know, I'm excited. It'll be great. <laughs> and I should also mention too, that I didn't realize this. So obviously like the Met Gala is for the Met, mm-hmm. but specifically it's for the Costume Institute, yes. which I was like, that makes sense that the Costume Institute, they're doing fashion. Mm-hmm. Like that makes sense that they're basically making costumes as a gala, as a fundraiser for this unit of the Met. I think what's funny about it too is that isn't it like the only part of the Met Gala that has to be privately funded? I mean the Met, the museum. Oh, really? Yeah. So because costumes were like not really considered an art, but like they wanted to be a part of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, like the Met, they have to earn all of their own money (laughs) as opposed to the rest of the Met, which earns all of their money from like public donations and funds and everything else like the general art yeah but I think it worked out very nicely for the Met Gala and the Costume Institute because I think they pull more money than the rest of the Metropolitan Museum apparently what in 2019 they raised a record of 15 million Mm -hmm. I believe it which is a lot of money yeah so they're making way more money with a single event than the rest of the museum makes in a full year yeah but (laughs) it's good for them well, should we dive into the history then yeah, of the Met it. Gala? And like you mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about the women who have been behind it because women have really pushed the Met Gala into yes. prominence, existence. And so that was really cool to learn about and realize. And I have a little bit of information about the women who have been involved. So the Met Gala was established in 1948. So it's been around for quite a while. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it has, you know, it's been so prevalent for so long. By a fashion publicist, Eleanor Lambert, as a way to raise money for the newly founded Costume Institute to mark the opening of its annual exhibit. So the Costume Institute was created by Irene Lewison and 
Alan Bernstein, and they initially called it the Museum of Costume Art, and then it merged with the museum, the Met, mm-hmm. in 1946. So this was done a couple years after to raise money for this and the fact that it was now put with the, with the Met. So who is Eleanor Lambert? I have just a very brief summary here of these women, which makes me want to come back and do like full episodes on them. But she was born in 1903 and she was an American fashion publicist. Apparently she was instrumental in increasing the international prominence of the American fashion industry and the emergence of New York City as a major fashion capital, which is crazy because like I can't really imagine a world now where that's not the case. Like Mm -hmm. in my mind, I feel like Paris is definitely obviously a very major fashion center, but New York is definitely one of them. So oh, it's like yeah. interesting that that hasn't always been the case, you know, that that was brought into prominence. Actually, it makes it kind of even funnier because I think one of the main criticisms of last year's Met Gala was the fact that even though it was an American theme, not a lot of people were wearing American designers. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the whole point of the Met Gala was to like, you know, bring the high fashion to America. So it makes it even funnier yeah. that like a lot of people were wearing Italian and Parisian designers to an American American themed Met Gala. (laughs) When like you said, like the whole point was like her (laughs) main mission and her main goal was here was to help American fashion Mm -hmm. get on the map. Interesting. She was the founder of New York Fashion Week, which, you know, is still a thing. Pretty big deal. Yeah. The Council of Fashion Designers of America, the Met Gala and the International Best Dress List. So just (laughs) like all these things that it's like, oh, this woman was behind it and they're still like a big deal yeah exactly it's not like these things have fizzled out at all Mm -hmm. she actually moved to new york in 1925 and briefly worked for a manhattan advertising agency but then in the mid-1930s she was the first press director of the whitney museum of american art and helped actually with the founding of the museum of modern art and the art dealers association of america which I thought was really cool that that's where she got her start was in advertising Mm -hmm. and then eventually went into fashion. But just to show how prominent and how big of a deal she was, in 1959 and 1967, she was asked by the U.S. Department of State to present American fashion for the first time in Russia, Germany, Italy, Australia, Japan, Britain, and Switzerland. That's crazy. So... Yeah. And then in 1965, she was appointed by President Johnson to the National Council on the Arts of the National Endowment for the Arts. Which um, still is a huge deal, too. Uh Uh-huh. And then in 1962, she organized the Council of Fashion Designers of America and stayed an honorary member until her death in 2003. So obviously just a huge woman in the world of American fashion and like helping it become more prominent. Because like think of like I don't obviously I don't think New York Fashion Week is as big as Paris Fashion Week, but like it's still a very big deal. And like yeah. the Met, I would say, is one of the biggest deals. You know, mm-hmm. it puts definitely it does yeah. put American if, fashion on the map. It probably. Yeah, I'd probably say it's like the most prominent museum in the United States. Yeah. I feel very absolutely in saying that. So <laughs> yeah, everyone knows yeah. what the Met is. Yeah, and then like the fact that she was literally asked by the U.S. Department of State to present fashion around the world. Yeah, I mean, it seems like obviously, I guess at that time, America was really trying to push themselves as like I don't know having a culture, and so it's mm-hmm. cool that she was behind that all. Which Anyways. is funny because I still feel like that's something that a lot of Americans are like, we don't really have a culture. <laughs> I know. <laughs> or like, what is our culture and mm. how proud of that are we? <laughs> <laughs> it's still a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. 
But anyway, so that is like the briefest history of Eleanor Lambert. But she's a very big deal. So many things that she worked to put into play are things that are still very big Mm. deals. You know, almost at this point, 100 years later, which is amazing. So back to the Met, though, the Met Gala first was a dinner that they held in December and tickets were only going for $50 (laughs) each, which is crazy because I'm pretty sure now they're $30,000 each. Mm -hmm. So really inflation did its job there. I could afford Um, to go to the Met Gala if it was 50 bucks. (laughs) I know. I would love to go. (laughs) From its creation until 1971, the event was actually not held in the Met as it is today, but it was in venues such as Central Park, the Rainbow Room and the Waldorf Astoria, which I thought was interesting that it hasn't always been in the Met because I feel like that like pink carpet is like iconic now. Yeah. You know, the Met that Gala. makes sense though because if you think about it until they established themselves as like a huge deal they wouldn't want to mm-hmm. shut the museum down in order to throw a party. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> yeah. So that makes sense but I feel like that shows how big of a deal the Met Gala has become the fact that they actually mm-hmm. have it in the museum. Absolutely. And like we've mentioned, the event started off as a fundraiser for the Costume Institute, serving as an opening celebration for its annual exhibit. So, yeah, no, that was meant to kind of Mm -hmm. signify whatever would be on display for the year. And then after the Met Gala, the exhibit is in the museum for several months. So it was basically a celebration fundraiser. Yeah, for that. So that's what it was, like I said, until 1971. But then I want to talk about a woman named Diana Vreeland. So at a certain point, she took over the Met Gala, and she's another very significant woman. So after her tenure as Vogue's editor-in-chief, which is, you know, Vogue, (laughs) she was a French-American fashion editor, and she joined the Costume Institute as a consultant that kind of shifted the cultural gears of the event. And it was under her time with the Institute that the event became more of an elaborate and more celebrity oriented Mm -hmm. as the guest list expanded to include the biggest stars such as Elizabeth Taylor, Diana Ross, Elton John, Cher, Andy Warhol, Jackie Kennedy, like all of these big, yeah, you know, like the the nobodies in our society, (laughs) you know, whatever. And it was during her tenure that the event started being held at the Met and the themes for the galas were introduced, which I thought was really cool, which kind of made it more of a party rather than just like a typical charity event. Mm. And then there was also with the addition of the socialite Pat Buckley, who was married to conservative author William F. Buckley. Buckley in 1978 the Met Gala cemented itself as one of the biggest and most exclusive charity events in the social calendar so I feel like under her is when it really cemented into what it actually is now today with the themes being in the Met and you know happening that very first Monday of May and which I love exclusive exclusive guests Exactly. So a little bit about Diana and where she came from. So like I mentioned, she was a French-American fashion columnist and editor. And she worked originally for the fashion magazine Harper's Bazaar and then again as the editor-in-chief at Vogue. Then, like I mentioned, she became the consultant to the Costume Institute. What I thought was cool is that she was named on the International Best Dress List Hall of Fame in 1964, which I think is cool because it was Eleanor Lambert who created the International Best Dress List. (laughs) And so Diana got to go on Her Met Gala predecessor. So like I mentioned too, she introduced these themes the very first theme was the world of balenciaga that was in 1973 and then other exhibitions that she worked on with the met included romantic and glamorous hollywood design vanity fair a treasure trove and la belle a a poke Mm, yes 
And then I should mention too that like she worked with the Met until her death in 1989. So yeah, very big part of, I think, not I think like she was a very very instrumental in making the Met what it is today and making it yeah the big party where we get to see all of our favorite celebrities putting on very cool outfits for a definitely. Okay, so then we get to kind of where the modern Met is today, which is kind of funny because we're taking over from like 1989, which isn't really that modern. But it was at that point where we have the Met Gala queen, Anna Winter, who came in. Yes. And kind of took everything that Diana Vreeland did and just amplified it by like a thousand percent. So anyway, it's kind of crazy. I'm sure most of you have heard Anna Winter's name. But maybe you don't know exactly who she is. So she's Dame Anna Winter. She's actually born in November of 1949. And she's a British and American journalist who was the editor-in-chief of Vogue since 1988. I think she still is, actually. I think still so, Still the editor-in-chief yeah. of Vogue. Yeah, so she was since 1988. And then also the global chief content officer for Condé Nast which is a very big position. Condé Nast owns Vogue, along with a million other magazines and stuff. She's also the artistic director of Condé Nast and the global editorial director of Vogue. Okay, so she's probably not editor-in-chief anymore. She probably does the global editorial director. I don't know. Anyway, she basically runs... But she's still involved in Vogue, yes. (laughs) She runs a ton of Condé Nast and Vogue, which is a very big deal. She also has like a very trademark page boy bob haircut and dark sunglasses that she's seen practically everywhere. And she has a really aloof and demanding personality that's earned her the nickname Nuclear Winter which is funny. It sounds even better because of her last name. (laughs) She also is believed to be the character that inspired the Devil Wears Prada that was played by Meryl Streep as Miranda Priestly, a fashion editor. You know, they think it was based on her as well as she was the focus of another film. I think it was a documentary called The September Issue, just about like Vogue and Anna Winter in general. Her father, Charles Winter, was actually the editor of the London Evening Standard. So, you know, like, Hmm. ran in the family. And then... Definitely. Yeah, showed her kind of how to make a newspaper relevant in the youth of the era, like when it was still new. She became really interested in fashion as a teenager, began as a fashion journalist at two British magazines, and then when she moved to the United States, she stayed at New York for a while, returned to London and was the editor of British Vogue for a couple of years. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, before returning to the United States and becoming kind of in charge, yeah, of the franchise magazine in New York. A lot of people thought that Vogue was kind of dying at that time period in 1987, which is crazy, but they actually did because of a bunch of things that were happening and change that was taking place in the time period like animal rights activists, you know, the birth of like the digital age was kind of in Mm. its beginnings. And then a lot of people were changing the way they looked at like femininity and beauty. So kind of changing how the world viewed beauty as a whole. And what she did is she, it's kind of funny because what she did with Vogue, she actually did with the Met Gala as well. So she took Mm. the idea of taking celebrity guests and kind of making them the focus of the Met Gala and she did that with Vogue too so they took celebrities and put them on the cover rather than models so it became more like 
a way to get information on your like favorite celebrities exactly and it kind of revived it where they were like the cover of vogue like that's a big deal it's a big deal for a lot of people even today to like yeah a lot of people's goal is to eventually be the cover of vogue because of how prominent that is and then of course she did that with a met gala too she (laughs) took it and created it even more exclusive and added a million rules. Like there's literally so many rules. <laughs> oh, really? Yes, it's crazy. There was a quote that said, since 1999, Miss Winter, an iron fist in an Oscar de la Renta or Prada or Chanel dress has been the driving force behind the gala's transformation from a well-attended dinner for museum donors and patrons into one of the biggest fundraising events staged by any of the city's cultural institutions, as well as an unprecedented global advertisement for her vision of the fashion industry. Wow. And that's ridiculously true. Yeah. She, of course, invited celebrities and fashion designers. She also started creating this collaboration between like the celebrities and the fashion designers that were invited. Even though tickets are ridiculously expensive, a lot of individuals, even celebrities, aren't buying their own tickets even today. Tables are bought by designers and other companies who want to be represented at fashion's biggest night. And then Mm. they get to pick and choose who they want at their table and in their outfits interesting yes so you might have like i know youtube bought like a table a couple of okay years ago and then they invited all of their people and then those people were picked up by different designers designers and dressed by those designers or you also have like a table bought by like oscar de la renta and then they dress mm-hmm. everyone who's sitting there in oscar de la renta of course if the celebrity is highbrow enough like think rihanna fashion designers yes. will beg to work with them or the celebrity gets to take their pick so they get to be like hey Ooh. i want to work with I you and then it's of course it's a major honor there was actually a designer who came out of retirement after like 10 years to create kim kardashian's look for i really? think the camp met gala yeah i'm gonna look up his name really quick because he deserves credit at first glance her dress like wasn't that that was one where she was completely covered up right it, no that was last year she oh, okay. this is the one where it was like skin tight with all these diamonds falling off <gasps> of it oh that one was cool though it was really cool right i like that one apparently it was supposed to look like she had just walked out of the pool like naked so like, like the honestly, diamonds yeah, water dropping i could i could see that yeah which i mean is very camp fairy fairy muggler oh cool yeah. okay and he hadn't he hadn't designed a collection of his own since 2003 he came out of retirement and it took him wow. eight months so obviously it's kim kardashian like yeah you know it's not a nobody <laughs> yeah so he was like yeah of course i'll do this for you <laughs> so that was kind of created by anna winter the idea of like these celebrities and fashion designers collaborating together and i feel like that makes sense because just because like I feel like now with the Met Gala, it's like so interesting to see what celebrities choose for themselves. And it's almost like I think a way for them to like make a statement about their own artistry or to like signal a change in their artistry or just almost like continue what we already do know and think about these people. And I Uh think that's very obvious and important. Agreed. And it's really cool to see what comes out of it because it varies a lot, too. 
Like you'll yeah. have like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a more simple one that we've seen in recent years. I don't know. Like you'll have Lily Reinhardt, you know, from Riverdale. And she was wearing yeah. a dress last year that had like all of the state's flowers on it. Like beautiful. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah. But obviously that didn't take as long as like Lady Gaga's five outfit attire for the but of camp course like Gala. that's what lady gaga would do for the camp exactly. like lady gaga is the poster child of camp yeah so <laughs> it's just interesting to see that too like kind of what how long like different things take and mm-hmm. what different projects people work on i think rihanna's like heavenly bodies outfit was like record breaking was- and how expensive it was and how much time it took <laughs> i mean it's iconic i still like think of that i think oh it's my gorgeous. gosh she's queen of the met gala really though even if you can afford to go, though, like even if you could buy a $30,000 ticket on your own or even if you work for like, say you're like the top YouTuber and YouTube wants you to go, that doesn't guarantee that you get to go. <laughs> Unlike other cultural fundraisers like the New York City Ballet Gala or the Frick Collection Young Fellows Ball, the Met Gala is invitation only. There's a waiting list. Qualifications for inclusion have to do with like the buzz around you that year, your achievements, how beautiful you are. And Mrs. Winter has the final say over every single invitation and every single attendee, including the staff, which means that even if a company buys a table, they cannot choose everyone who sits at the table. It has to clear the guest with her and her entire team at Vogue. Wow. Yeah. So if she doesn't like you, you don't get to go. Which is definitely true because she has banned certain people for life. I've heard that Donald, really? Donald Trump is no longer ever going to be an attendee at the Met Gala, despite the fact that he has attended in previous years before he was president. Oh. And I think he even proposed to his wife at one of them. So Wait, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and to put into context how much money they're making... I know we said earlier, like, what they made in a previous year, but in 2021, so even last year, we're like, it was a mini Met Gala. It wasn't that big of a deal. They didn't even have that many big names there. It mm-hmm. raised over $16.4 million. And then that same year, the New York City Ballet Fall Gala raised just over $2 million. So wow. that just to show you guys, like, they're making bank off of this thing. Of course, I mentioned YouTube got a table. The Met Gala's kind of been redeveloping their guest list in previous years. Before, they only had like celebrities, top actors, politicians, and athletes. But now they're inviting like YouTubers, and I'm assuming probably TikTokers will also appear this year. James Charles made like a big buzz when he was invited one year, and last year Emma Chamberlain was actually one of like the Vogue interviewers oh yeah I remember seeing that Uh yeah which was nice because I felt like she was really down to earth and made everyone comfortable because I did see a couple of videos with her and it was it was cool so they've been inviting a lot of those people who are working in social media to come and be a part of it as well I feel like though it's just their attempt to stay relevant like and I feel like they've always been on top of it I think a lot of people I remember seeing like almost like criticism of like oh you're like letting the social media stars come it's almost like cheapening what the Met Gala is, but I think that if something's going to continue to be relevant, you have to do that. Like you have to change. And if suddenly the world is being run by social media stars, they have to be, they should be invented. I don't think they even like morally should be, but it's like, if you want to be 
continuously you know modern and ahead of everything you gotta let them come definitely like those people have a lot more fans and are pulling a lot more money than a lot of traditional celebrities do this year so yeah it's kind of important that they're invited as well and of course like she still gets the final say so Anna Winter is deciding who's going and who's not um Apparently in 2013, she reportedly banned the entire cast of The Real Housewives of New York City from buying a table. (laughs) And they've asked her a few times about some other like band members or like decisions she's made with the guest list. And she's responded multiple times that she will not comment on the guest list or the way that guests are decided upon. But I mean... (laughs) I mean, I think you have to have that kind of confidence in order to... yeah something that's also really cool she'll invite a lot of like up-and-coming designers or even if she really likes a celebrity and wants them to attend but they can't afford a thirty thousand dollar ticket that's when she'll pair them up with other companies or designers Mm. or she'll invite up-and-coming designers herself and fund their whole attendance to the event just because she wants them there it also is really good for her because it makes them really excited and it makes them feel like they owe her, which I'm sure allows for future partnerships and everything since she works at a fashion magazine. Example of this was in 2012. Vogue suggested to Valentino that they should invite Lily Collins and Brent Marling. So it was like, hey, you should invite Lily Collins. She's up and coming. And then he ended up doing that. Everything is planned out in excruciating detail. They want to avoid traffic jams on the carpet. So arrivals start at 5.30 p.m. and then it's scheduled out. Like you have a timed entrance instruction of when you're allowed to appear. The evening's most famous hosts usually appear last, ending at 8 p.m. But if you're super famous like Rihanna, you can get there as late as 9.30 and no one's going to bat an eye. (laughs) Well, yeah, if Rihanna's coming to your party, I don't think... Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. She also has really insane seating rules. Apparently, they went into a lot of like what happens with the seating chart. There was a documentary called The First Monday in May with details planning. Oh, I that. Uh, the 2015 Met Gala. I couldn't find anywhere to watch it for free. I think you can mm. rent it. But she went into a lot of like how they plan out the seating chart. So they pick and choose who gets to sit next to each other depending on who they sat with last year. If they sat next to each other at a previous event recently, you're not allowed to sit by your spouse because they don't want you sitting next to like people that you already know. The whole point is to like meet new people and be interested in what other people are doing. So they like spread people throughout the whole thing. So suddenly it makes sense that Taylor Swift met two of her boyfriends at the Met Gala. Yeah, because they (laughs) don't put you by people you know. They throw you by people you've never met before. They also, oh man, there's so many rules, guys. They... (laughs) They don't allow social media inside. So the only place you can Mm. show any social media is on the carpet and then after that everything's kind of completely quiet for the most part nobody even really knows what happens exactly when people get inside because none of it's televised like any other event yeah none of it's posted on social media and obviously celebrities aren't going to detail every single thing that happens once they get inside because it's generally just like a dinner party with some entertainment People wanted to take selfies after the 2015 Met Gala, and so they added a portrait studio as a part of their event so people could pose for photos. Apparently, Mm. there's still, like, some bathroom selfies that escape, 
where people take I was going to say, I have seen videos of Taylor Swift dancing at the 2015 or 2016 yeah. Met Gala. So there are some leaks. Inside. But generally, they're not supposed to be posting everything to social media. Stop. Also, before recent years, there was like minors allowed, especially within the first few Met Galas. Like I think Shirley Temple and, you know, like a few mm-hmm. others came to those. But in 2018, they don't allow anyone under the age of 18. Oh. Just, you know, keep it more exclusive, no kids, all of that. And that was an Anna Winter rule. Generally, once they get inside, they go and tour the exhibition, which is in part of the Met. They also have multiple different cocktail parties that are hosted by different people, like, throughout, I'm guessing. I don't know. I couldn't quite figure out exactly what that is. And then after okay. cocktails, there's a form of entertainment, usually a celebrity that's on the guest list. So I was going to say, when you have like America's <laughs> most talented, well-known people at the event, like, yeah, yeah just have like, them go on stage. I think Billie Eilish was a host last year. So I'm sure they were just like, okay, Billie, like, <laughs> do you want to go sing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we like, karaoke night, everyone. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't really take that much work to find someone to entertain everyone. And then Vogue even does a special standalone issue on the gala each year, showing the looks a little behind the scenes of everything and obviously the full photos of each part of the event. And a lot of guests have said that they love how exclusive it stays once they get inside because it's a time for them to relax and have fun. They're not being like looked at by anyone everyone who's there yeah, is I was famous. Gonna say, I guess that would be yeah nice it's not like anyone's like whoa it's them when it's like you're yeah mm-hmm. everyone's famous so it's like yeah yeah and Ariana Grande I think one year said she took off her shoes under her dress at dinner because no one could tell you know like they relax yeah, no a little it's fine. They yeah enjoy their time but yeah Anna Winter really does control every single aspect of this I don't think I can stress this enough I read mm-hmm. another thing that says she won't allow onions, garlic, parsley in any of the dishes because it's bad for what? your breath and your teeth. Like, no one wants to have <sighs> parsley stuck on their teeth. Like, she literally, oh yeah, controls every single aspect. And then after the main Met Gala, there's also after parties where people change. There's green rooms provided so you can go and change if your dress weighs 5,000 pounds. <laughs> and a lot of them do. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can switch into something more comfortable for the rest of the night. Wow. Yeah. I was going to well, look up a list of like the most important Met Gala looks. Should we just talk about a few of them? Yeah, let's we'll do end. it. We've mentioned a few. I know oh. last year, Billie Eilish made a deal with Oscar de la Renta where she wouldn't wear his dress unless he stopped selling fur. And he agreed. Oh, really? Yeah. And that was one of the first times that that's ever happened. So that's pretty cool. That is really cool. I always feel like I associate with Rihanna and Blake Lively. Oh, yeah. With with the Met Gala. I feel like both of their looks are always amazing. Oh, yeah. They're always insane, too. Like, just uh-huh. so much effort. Blake Lively's Heavenly Bodies. That one was just unparalleled. I'm sorry. The I Heavenly honestly bodies. think the Heavenly Bodies oh, night was... Man. I just... Everyone looked so cool, I thought. They really did. It was just insane. That one was based entirely on like a Catholic fashion because like yeah. the Catholic church has so much detail and ornament that goes into their stuff. They got approval from the religion and obviously everything was borrowed and stuff. So yeah, I feel like a lot of the times it kind of blurs the lines of like cultural appropriation Oh yeah, <laughs> and fashion. But I mean, they did get approval, so... <laughs> 
I feel like Blake Lively just always kills it, though. She and really like does. I said, and Rihanna, I'm just like looking. If you just Google Rihanna, Michael, oh, and Beyonce yeah. in 2015 oh, yeah. it was um, amazing. Kendall Jenner's look last year was incredible. I'm trying to remember it. Like head to toe diamonds. Oh, yeah. Yes, that was good. It was based on Audrey Hepburn's look from, I think, like My yeah. Fair Lady. But it was insane, like literally covered in diamonds. That dress had to have weighed so much. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I remember that one now. That was cool. Also, another person, Zendaya. Oh, yeah. Her Heavenly Always. Bodies one, too, was also just... I, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah, and didn't she's she another do queen of the Met Gala. like a light-up Cinderella dress for camp? Yeah. Yeah, that one was really cool, too. Very campy, absolutely. And there's a lot of, like, really cool ones. There's Zendaya from 2017 was also really cool. Mm-hmm. My favorite was just 2018. The Heavenly Bodies one was just so good. So good. Oh, also Ariana Grande's that year. Oh, yeah. It was like the painting. It was the Sistine Chapel and Vera Wang did it. And I loved that dress. I think the Heavenly Bodies and the camp ones have been my favorite. Yeah, I think so too. Not every look from camp was like a hit. Whereas the Heavenly Body ones, I feel like every single look was good. Was a hit. Yeah. But it was just fun to see what everyone came up with. I remember my favorite moment from the camp is Carly Kloss did like a looking camp right in the eye pre-thing and then her dress was like the most boring basic thing (laughs) it was like um okay Carly like whatever oh that's so funny it makes me laugh even still oh yeah it's just a regular party dress like literally it's and then yeah just like looking camp right in the eye I'm like "Mm, okay Honestly, the Kardashians killed it that year. Like, yeah, I I thought so. Yeah, they really did. I I loved it. I think Lady Gaga was my favorite of the night. Yeah, that one was just so fun. It was like what, like fifteen minutes for her to (laughs) going up. I think so. So anyway, obviously we'll all be watching the red carpet tonight to see what comes out of this next Americana Mm -hmm. fashion fashion theme the Who gilded knows? age i have no idea obviously no one's gonna show up and just like fall on 19th century attire right i mean i don't think so <laughs> is that what even century it was yeah late 19th century yeah, 19th so we'll see i'm excited though i'm excited too all right everyone well i hope you enjoyed our brief history of the met gala like i said i think the coolest thing learning about this was just that how much of it is like it's all been women like yeah. they've pushed this into prominence they've made it and had it change adapt so it's remaining in prominence almost 100 years later i think that's so cool i think it's so excited to you know learn more about these women maybe in future episodes and yeah watch the met gala tonight or like we said go over to our instagram just more than amuse podcast and we'll definitely be posting about it if you're listening after after it's over yeah definitely it'll be fun to kind of have some current stuff on our instagram this week so come follow us it's more than amuse.podcast more of you listen than are following us so true (laughs) and we'll be back next week with a another forgotten or ignored uh, woman artist definitely well goodbye bye
Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.